This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Man, I'm excited for this word, and I want to preach for the next few minutes. Uh, for those of y'all who know me, few means uh, a lot. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll uh, let, let God speak this morning, all right? And uh, we have lunch, so nobody needs to make lunch plans and scurry out of here. Uh, we have, uh, you know, our kids are taken care of, and we have communion today, so that's amazing. Uh, we get to do communion once uh, every month as a as a community of believers, everyone coming together. Uh, we do have communion other weeks as well, but uh, today is special. And as we break our fast with communion, with prayer, man, I believe that God is moving in this place. Uh, I want to title my message this morning, My Scars, His Story. My Scars, His Story. Would you open up your Bibles with me? I'm going to read. I'm going to uh, shift a little bit today. And I know we usually don't read from the Amplified Bible, but this is what I want to do today. I want to read from the Amplified Version. And uh, we'll make our way into another passage of Scripture shortly that we will, uh, we will study in a very exp- expositional way. And that's how we usually study here at Commission Church. We expositionally study the Bible. We take a passage and we read the passage and we, we, we break it down verse by verse to see the context of what God is trying to speak to us as a church body. So let me present this verse, uh, which, would, which would act as a backdrop for what we will be talking about this morning. So people that are joining us online, welcome. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, Galatians chapter number six and verse number 17. For now, for, for, sorry, from now on, let no one trouble me by making it necessary for me to justify my authority as an apostle and the absolute truth of the gospel. For I bear on my body the branding marks of Jesus, And by branding marks, he says, I bear the wounds, I bear the scars, and other outward evidence of persecutions, and these testify to his ownership of me. He's basically saying, no one trouble me, for I bear on my body the branding marks of Jesus. Can I remind somebody before I start with this message today, that my God has branded you. Amen. He has put his brand on you. He has tatted you up. Amen. Uh, I thank God for this word. I believe in my heart that God has a word for us this morning that speaks to our souls, that speak to our hearts, that elevate us. And I pray that this word will come in a very special way to many of us that need to hear from God in a time like this. There are so many of us that have been praying for various needs, and and I can go on and on about the different needs that people have. I have different needs that I presented before the Lord uh, when I started this fast 21 days ago. Uh, Three weeks ago on a Sunday, we all started fasting and praying, and for those of y'all who are probably new to church, or you're a new believer, a new Christian, or you don't know what fasting truly means, uh, you know, it's not an overly spiritual thing. It's a commandment of Jesus. Uh, It's not something that holy churches do or uh, oh, it's one of those churches. They're, it's, no, it's not. It's just what Jesus instructs us to do as Christians is fast and pray. And uh, every year we begin our year with 21 days of seeking God's face. The first two weeks, we just got together and we led in prayer online. And the last week we were here every single day seeking God's face. 
and, and no matter what kind of fast you did and how you fasted, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. What really matters is the fact that you and I, in the presence of God, are in a place to receive from Him. When we fast, when we pray, there are needs that we bring in front of Him. And we're going to see the unraveling of God's answers in all those prayers. I'm going to give you a background for what we're going to be talking about this morning in the passage that we'll be discussing this morning. There is this man called Abraham in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. You read about this man called Abraham. Uh, he was the father of many nations. We talked about him a few weeks ago. Uh, he was the father of many nations. He's a man that God looked. He's a man that loved God. And God looked at him and said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to bless your children. I'm going to make your children innumerable. Uh, look at the sand in the ground and you won't be able to count how many generations and generations I will bless you with. He said, look up to the stars and try counting the stars. That's how much I will bless you is what he said. Through it all, Abraham believed in God and all these promises were given to him in a time where he didn't even, he was not even in a position to say, hey, I, I don't even have one child, God. He, was, he, he didn't even have one son. He didn't have one daughter. And God is telling me, you'll be a son to many nations. In the middle of that, that situation, he trusted God and he believed that God had the best in store for him and God blessed him. After so many years, God gave him a son called Isaac and we know that story and I want to get into details of it. Isaac then got married to this woman called Rebecca. Isaac and Rebecca then have twins, all right? Their names are Esau and Jacob. Esau and Jacob. Esau is this hairy guy, this outdoorsman. He's the guy that misses church on the first day of, of hunting season. And he goes out and he's, he's shooting the bucks. He's, he's shooting deer uh, out, out in the fields, right? That, that's who Esau is. He's a guy that really loves the outdoors. He's the adventurous kind of dude. It's a dichotomy because Jacob was the complete opposite. He was, uh, he was not the hairy, uh, outdoor kind of guy. He was more of the not hairy, indoor type of guy, okay? Uh, he was close to mom. He was mama's boy. He loved cooking. He loved watching HDTV. He loved, like, chilling at home. He loved taking care of stuff at home. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being outdoorsy or being homely. Uh, I'm not hating on anybody. Everybody is called in different ways, all right? But Jacob and Esau were two completely different people. One day, God looked at, 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 at you know, Jacob and said, Jacob, I want to bless you, man, but uh, we've we got to get things straight in your life. Uh, you know, by, by natural, uh, n the natural way of things, the, the way blessings worked back in the day is when fathers gave the blessings to children, the oldest one was the one that inherited every single thing. Right? Now, now if, if you have to backtrack, backtrack a little bit, we're talking about these twins. There was this unusual activity in, uh, in the womb before these two boys were born. The Bible talks about how they struggled inside the womb of Rebecca. You know, when, when Jacob was born, he was actually, he came in second and he was born grabbing the heel of Esau while he was coming out. And this is why he partly got the name supplanter. The word Jacob literally means supplanter or grabber of the heel, right? Or the, the literal meaning of the word supplanter is his word to replace even by underhanded means, even if he had to go around doing crazy stuff to make sure he got his way, to replace things, to, to make sure he displaced things, he would do it. That's who Jacob was. He was holding on to his brother. See, this picture describes a Jacob that struggled with inferiority. 
Esau was this hunter and, and Jacob was mama's boy, this homebody. And Isaac, Isaac, the father, preferred Esau over Jacob because of natural reasons, right? There's nothing more actually that's wounding to a man than not to receive love and affirmation from a father. Yesterday, Cade was talking to us about that. He said, man, my, my father has been locked up in prison for so many years. And the moment I talk about prayer or I talk about speaking to the father, the first thing that used to come to my mind was, oh my, I connect father to this figure that is not there for me. This figure, this, this fatherly figure, this human being that has never been around. I was always struggling with prayer because I connected the heavenly father with an earthly father. There's nothing more painful than a son or a daughter having to go through life without affirmations and without, you know, a fatherly figure providing affirmation to his children. The oldest brother, like I said, usually gets the blessing and culturally he receives it as well. So one day Esau is coming back after a long day's work. All right, he's out in the field and, and he's tired and his body is spent. And as soon as he comes back, everybody that work, that's working knows, as soon as you come back home, what do you want to do? You just want to chill on the couch, all right? You want a hot meal, you want to go to bed, right? Those are the things you want to do. And that's what Esau's, he's coming with that framework in his mind. He arrives home and guess what? Jacob is watching Food Network and cooking some lentil soup right? Some beautiful veggie soup. And, 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 and he looks at him and says, yo, can I have some, bro? And he goes, sure, if you trade me your birthright, right? Think about it for a second. That's all it took. He looked at him and said, sure, I'll give you some soup. Not even chicken soup, man. Come on. Some veggie soup. I'm not hating on the vegetarians. I love you all. I love you all. But, but come on, somebody. Like he says, man, Trade me your birthright. Like, this is by anyone's standard a bad trade. Wouldn't you agree? Come on. But here's the thing. When you are tired, when you are fatigued, when you are desperate, you lower your standards real quick. Have you noticed that in your life? Like, when you're hungry, KFC is the best chicken ever. Have you? Nobody been there in your life? Come on. Somebody. Some of y'all are like, what's wrong with KFC? What's wrong with you? Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Mike's chicken. All right. You can say I'm fasting for 21 days. I'm ready for those tacos this afternoon. So he says, sure, bro, I'll give you, my, I'll give you whatever you want. I don't care. I'll just, just take it. Give me some soup right now. So he starts like gouging the soup. Jacob goes up to his father after that. He has his birthright, right? He lies. He steals his blessing. You all know the story. And Jacob officially becomes the first person in all of history to be the, or, or, or Esau officially becomes the first person in, in the history of the world to be the victim of identity theft. All right? He has stolen his identity, stolen his blessing. Esau now finds about this. He is confused. He's like, man, what's going on over here? Why has this man deceived me? Why? He says, man, I'm going to ruin this guy's life. He says, I'm, I vow to kill him is what his brother says. Jacob runs away, goes to his uncle's house, starts working for him, right? Till now, Jacob wants the blessing and the affirmation of his father, but because he does not get that and he has to go through his devious ways to get the blessing and the affirmation of his father, he starts looking for it in different other places. But now that he actually has his father's blessing, he finds out how unsatisfactory and unfulfilling it is, right? Here's the thing. So many of us are like Jacob, church. I want us to open our minds for a second. We chase after things in our life thinking that it will make us feel better. That will add value to our lives. It will, it will make us a better person. It will make us a better husband. It will make us a better family. 
It could be a, a career or it could be a marriage. It could be a relationship. It could be a you know, baby. It could be a promotion at work. It could be financial success. But we keep working on things and we work hard and we're like, Lord, we want this or we want this and we keep going after these things. You work so hard and you get it only to be disappointed and you're not satisfied. How many of you have been there in your life before where you're like, man, I, it's, just, it's just so disappointing. I tried and I tried and I tried and sometimes you get that promotion and you're like, man, that's, is this what I worked for? Like you get that raise and you're like, man, I missed so much, so much of time with my kids. I missed so much of time with my family. Like I, I didn't invest in my marriage. I was busy about promoting myself or getting this or getting that and look where I am. It can't be better said than, than C.S. Lewis says. He says this. He says, when you find out there's, that nothing in this world satisfies you, you will realize that you were made for another world. I'm going to repeat that. He says, when you find out that nothing in this world satisfies you, you will then realize that you were made for another world. So Jacob keeps, keeps going. He doesn't stop. And that's the, that's the thing with so many people that just want success and just chases after success. What happens? He lands in his uncle's house. There's these two daughters. Rachel is the youngest one, the more attractive one. The older one is Leah. And he looks at his uncle and says, man, can I have your younger daughter to be married? And back in that culture, you have to get the older daughter first married, right? So he looks at her and says, man, I, you know, I, yeah, you could, you could get my, my daughter, but you have to work for seven years. Come on, somebody. He puts a price on his daughter. It's, it's not something that we're used to in our Western eyes, but he says, no, if you want my daughter, you tell me that you deserve her. Come on, somebody, some of us young people sitting over here, some, some of you young people, I said some of us, I'm not young anymore, but, but some of you young people need to learn from this. We got to put a price on ourselves. Young ladies that are listening to me this morning, put a price on yourselves. Young men that are listening to me, don't sell yourselves too short. Put a price on yourself. Like, don't be that, that Ann Taylor jacket on the clearance aisle at Ross. Like, be the hacker cocoon puffer G. Lay on the rack of Balenciaga. Balenciaga, whatever is it. What is it called? I don't even know what it's called. Balenciaga. You can say that I shop at Ross. I had to look that up. Hacker cocoon puffer. Gilet. Be that. Like, like, have a price on yourself. There are so many people that are so desperate today to get into relationships. Can I, can I just pause and talk to some young people today? Is that okay? Married people, just bear with me right now. Some married people need to hear this too. But here's the thing. Put a price on yourselves. When you're in a relationship, just don't go give your soul away on the first date. Get to know people, that's cool, but keep it short. Man, some people spend too, way too much time on first dates. And, and man, you just, um, Pastor, I just spoke and we spoke and we spoke and we exchanged numbers and we spoke through the night. And man, it was amazing. And I feel like we're going to get married. <laughs> Our hearts just connected, Pastor. See, the thing is, if you made the first one long and profound, the second one will, in all probability, be short and dumb. You'll run out of things to talk about. Come on, somebody. There's no amens here because you know what I'm saying is true. <laughs> some of you married people are like, preach, pastor. You're right. You're right. Leave some mystery. 
right? Leave some mystery. Let, your, let, let those first few dates, let those first few connections be, hey, you know my name? You know, you know, you know the few details about me? That's it. We're done? Yeah, we're done. We're done. Put a price on yourselves. Man, pay for the meal. Don't go Dutch. Homie, if you have to go Dutch, you ain't ready to date. That's all I got to say. Come on, I'm stepping on some toes today, so... Am I right, Jerry? Like, I can't, I don't get it. I don't get how men can take women out on dates and say, we're going Dutch. Bruh. No, you don't. <laughs> Keep it casual, man. You don't have to go to Fogo or Ruth Chris's Steakhouse. Keep it casual. All right? I'm not talking about Mickey D's, but at least, like, like go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Actually, go to Buffalo. That, that's a great start. You will learn a lot about a person when you go to B-dubs. Thank you, thank you. Number one, if they order boneless wings, you know immediately that they have the intelligence of an 11-year-old. Can I hear an amen? Oh, so you want nuggets, like saucy nuggets. That's what you, let's go to Mickey D's then. Why do we come here? Some of y'all hating on me. You know who you are. I digress, I digress. No, let me talk about this for a few. You know, like, like when Sonia and I went to B-dubs, one of our dates was B-dubs, and I saw this girl go at those wings. She ordered, man, I'm, I'm telling you, she's, she said traditional wings, all flats, not one bone, two bones, and she was, and I said, that's my girl. I'm marry her. Licking her fingers and all. I was like, that's, no, she didn't do that. I love you, babe. She didn't care about her pretty nails, nothing of that sort. She was going at it, man. Go to Top Golf. Woman, take the guy to Top Golf. Because <laughs> you know why, Jeff? If homeboy goes there and starts freaking out when he misses the shot, he blames it on the wind, you know he's going to be a complainer. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, like, I always get the shot. I don't know what's going to happen right now. He's blaming everybody. He's blaming the wind. He's blaming the club. He's blaming... Run. Let that be the... He says, man, if you want to marry my daughter, you have to work for seven years. He says, work for seven years. I need to see your hard worker. Please don't get married if you don't have jobs. Jacob, did you change? Not greatly. He continued to chase those things. And, you know, it would make him happy for a little bit that I got this money and I got this success and I got this fame. And, you know, he was, he was this hustler and he was constantly looking for things and commodities that would make him happy and give him value and, and validate him because he never had that growing up because he always thought that he needed it from somebody. And when he didn't get that, he was like, I got to find it in some place or the other. I got to find it in my work. I got to find it in my business. I got to find it in, in, in all these other things. But here's the master manipulator. What he's about to learn is he's going to reap what he just sowed. All right. On the wedding day, he finds out that he's in bed with a wife or, or, or with his wife that he didn't ask for. He said, I asked for Rachel. I worked seven years for Rachel and you deceived me, Laban. It's come to bite him in the back and Laban schemed and lied to him. What you sow is what you reap. What goes around comes around. You've heard that, right? And he says, this is not what I worked seven years for. Church, here's, here's what I want to explain to somebody. If you don't like the harvest you are reaping, you got to look at the seed you're sowing. 
This is important. This is very important. The trickster has been tricked. The deceiver has been deceived. The schemer has been schemed. And Jacob and his children, through both of them, he becomes prosperous. And God looks at him and says, man, I want to make you prosperous. And, and Laban says, man, I'll give you my other daughter. Just work for seven more years. And this man works for seven more years because he knows what he wants. Because as soon as that's done, he says, I'm done. I'm getting out of here. He gets up. He stays with him for 20 years. And he takes everything and he flees. And Laban wants to kill him. Laban says, man, you're leaving me? I want to kill you. And, and, and God speaks to Laban. And this is, look at somebody and say, this is just the introduction. Come on, somebody. And, and, and he speaks to Laban and he says, bless him. God says, Laban, don't curse him. Don't go after him. Don't kill him. Bless him. So Laban says, you know what? I'm going to bless you. But guess what Jacob decides to do? Jacob says, I've made everything for myself. I have wealth. I have cattle. I have wives. I have children. I have everything. I want to get up and I want to go back home. Why? Because I want to make amends with my brother that I deceived. So this is where we're going to, we're going to start off our study today. Because here's what I want us to understand. In order for restoration to happen, and in order for us to be restored, we have to understand that we have to deal with the Esau's in our life. Remember, you can never be restored fully unless and until you meet the Esau's that once you deceived or deceived you and say, you know what? I'm going to get over this hurdle. I'm going to get over this period. I'm going to get over this chapter. There's so many of us that are dealing with hurts and pains and scars. And you're like, I don't know where this came from, Pastor. You exactly know where it came from. Years and years of abuse, probably. Years and years of trauma. Years and years of pain. And God is saying, I'm a God of restoration. But unless and until until you get up and you say, hey, I want to go back to the point of my Esau and I want to see God deliver and save me. You're never going to see the hand of God move in your life in the way that you want it to move. So here we pick up Genesis 32 and verse number 24. Genesis 32 and verse number 24. And this is what the Bible says. And Jacob was left alone. His family was with him and his family leaves. They're on the way back to meet Esau at this moment. And, and he was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. He wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Here's the thing. The key to hearing from God and meeting with him is found in secret places. We heard that yesterday from Cade. It's so important for us to have personal time in prayer. This man is alone with God and God's like, man, you've been trying, you've been running. There's not a moment that you've not been busy. You know what the biggest tactic of the enemy is? Uh, is to keep you busy all the time. We talked about distractions yesterday. The moment we get into prayer, you think about the bill that you have to pay. You think about the children that are crying. You think about all the distractions in the world. How many of y'all have been there before? Kate was talking about that. I was like, yeah, praise God. Come on, preach it. Because that's how it is. That's the enemy's biggest tactic. He occupies you with so much, and sometimes it's blessing. For Jacob, it was the blessing that he had. It was his children, it was his cattle, it was the business that he had, the money that he had. Sometimes that occupies you so much that you take your eyes off Jesus. For, for Jacob's, the, the first step of reconciliation, the first step of restoration was, was a place where everybody had to leave him. And the Bible says he was alone. And God says, I wanna have a rendezvous with you. Sometimes you got to let go of relationships in order for you to see God's hand move to, for the future in your life, whatever God wants to do in your future. Sometimes you got to give less importance to people around you and the things around you in order for you to receive from God the big things that he has in store for you. See, this story is a beautiful example of what theologians refer to as a Christophany. 
Uh, Christophanies is appearance of a non-physical manifestation of Christ. Abraham has this conversation with the angel in Genesis 18. It was a Christophany. In Daniel chapter number 3, there's this fourth man in the fire. And that's another beautiful example of a Christophany. Right? And here he is in this position, right? We read, we read this passage as we, as we read this passage in chapter number 32 and verse 24. And Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. He had a wrestling match with this man. We know it was God or a form of God over there. Like how many of you have been there before? Fathers, you probably know what you're talking about. Lo- kids love to wrestle with you. Or you love to wrestle with kids. I don't know which category you fall in. If it's, if it's me, I fall in the second category. I just love to, they might be sitting by themselves doing nothing. And I'm like, come on, let's fight. And so he's like, why are you stirring up stuff all the time? And I'm like, because that's who I am. And I love, and they, they love jumping on me. They love, you know, punching me. And sometimes it hurts. And I'm like, go on, just, it's okay. I'll bear the pain. And when you're fasting for 21 days, it's worse. It's really bad. But we like it. We like playing with kids, and sometimes you allow the kids to jump on, uh, on you. I allow them to jump on me, to subdue me. Because you know why? Because I, I see the, their faces after they jump on me, after they land on me, after they, 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 they belly dive on me. I see the joy. When I, when I scream in pain, I see the joy on their faces. Come on, somebody. And that gives me joy. You know why? That builds confidence inside of them. It builds self-esteem. It tells them, I am superwoman. I am, I am, you know, I I can do all things. They have this self-esteem of I'm strong. See, remember, God allows wrestling matches in our life. He brings us to points. It's not to have a match. It's to have a moment with you. Sometimes your wrestling matches with God are not really wrestling matches. It's not struggles. Those are just moments that God says, man, unless I do this, I'll never have your attention. The child is affirmed by the person that they need affirmation the most, their father. And what, is, what, what Jacob has been missing all his life, the, the blessing of affirmation from his father, from his brother, all these people, right? In this most astonishing way, God gives that to Jacob in the pain of the night. And the Bible says throughout the night, they just started fighting with one another. It's amazing. Here's my point though. Wrestling leads to breakthrough. I don't know what you're wrestling with, the thoughts that you're wrestling with. I don't know the unsettling feelings in your heart. I don't know what happened in your life or what you're dealing with right now. But whatever you're wrestling with, remember, there's a Christophany. There's Christ in the middle of it. He will never leave you in a fire and never join you. The Christian can always be assured that if he's in the fire, there's always another man that is standing with him, that will be with him, that will stand with him, that will sit with him, that will travel with him. No matter what your situation is, I want to assure you this morning, there's always the fourth man in the fire. See, when God wrestles with you, he doesn't wrestle to prove his strength. He does it for you to admit your weakness. And in a few moments, we're going we're gonna to study that. We're going to see how, how this, this unravels. In verse 25, the Bible says this, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Jacob is hanging on to him, all right? He's fighting with him. And after this long time of struggle, this moment that God has had with Jacob, God just touches him, pop. It wasn't hard at all. 
Like God was the first chiropractor, like, like I like to call him, the first Christopactor. Because for Jacob, he is no match for God. I assure you of that. He is no match for God. He touched his hip and, it, and he wrenched it out of place. And this man started, lip, like, I, I was reading about this earlier. And, and hip, the, the hip socket, and they're doctors over here, the hip socketed muscles are the strongest muscles in the body, right? Or one of the strongest muscles in the body. And they, the, it's the, the, hip, the, the hip muscles are the, the socket, the hip socket is what protects the femur, the femur bone. Right? And that injury, if anybody injures that, that hip, it's so hard to recover from. The slightest touch from God weakened that strong joint in his body. Here's my next point, church. Brokenness is painful, but necessary. Like I said, it's not because God wants to prove his might that he sends us through situations of, you know, of Man, what am I going through? Why, are, why, am I, why am I getting hurt? Does God know that I'm in this situation? See, brokenness is painful. I know it's painful. Nobody's neglecting that fact. We embrace that it's painful, but it is necessary for brokenness to happen in the heart and the life of a believer. In a few moments, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna bring all of this together. But in verse 26, then he said, let me go for the day has broken but Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Man, it doesn't matter if his hip was broken or not. Jacob was like, this is a moment that I'm having with God. And I've ran all my life. I've not had acceptance. But here is God Almighty. And I can sense this is different. He says, unless you bless me, I will not let go. Here's my next point. Breaking takes you to blessing. Not only does God allow the breaking to happen, but through the breaking, he opens your eyes to saying, I will bless you. But sometimes you have to say, God, I need your blessing. He was lacking something. He was materially rich. He had the finances. He had the money. He was wealthy, not just rich. He was wealthy, but he was spiritually poor. He was spiritually broken. His father's blessing got him so much materially, but there was so much spiritually dying inside of him. How many of you have been there before? Where you probably have everything situated in life, but spiritually you're a mess. That's what he's going through. And for the first time in his life, Jacob is not going after wealth or material or blessings of people. For the first time, he's looking at God and saying, God, would you bless me? Verse 27, and he said to him, God said to him, what is your name? And he responded and said, Jacob. Hey, it's not because God forgot his name. God knew what his name was exactly. God just didn't have amnesia. He just didn't forget about it all of a sudden. No, 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 it's not none of that. God knew exactly who he was. But he wanted him to admit to himself and to God who he was truly. And he looks at God and says, God, I'm not even going to lie. I'm not Esau. Because once there was an earthly father that asked him who he was and he lied to him in his face and said, my name is Esau. And God was like, that, that, it worked with him. He was blind, but I'm not. Come on, somebody. I don't look at just your fur on the outside or, or the fake hairs. I see right through you. It doesn't matter who you are. I need to hear from you. And all these years, you've been succeeding and you've been living your life and you have riches and wealth and all of that. But there's one part of you that does not have peace 
peace and strength. And because every night you go to sleep, you go to sleep with knowing or, or you have one eye open knowing that your brother's probably going to come and bludgeon you to death. You know why? Because that peace, that spiritual peace hasn't been there and he's on his way back and God looks at him and says, first tell me who you are. And he says, God, I ain't going to lie. My name is Jacob. I'm the deceiver. I'm a bad person. You know, sometimes you have a great calling, but a horrible character, right? And God's like, I can't heal. I can't bless that. Like, I can't. I can't restore horrible character. And God's looking at him and said, tell me who you are. And he had to admit his weakness and, his, and, and, and say, God, I am this person, the person that takes advantage of other people. I'm a manipulator, God. And I'm sorry, God. I am here in your presence, God. I'm humbling myself. My name is Jacob, is what he says. God is looking at so many of us here today and saying, who are you? What is your name? Stop asking God to break through in your life or asking God to provide a breakthrough in your life unless and until you're ready to be raw with God. My next point is this. Blessing changes identity. You see how there's this breaking takes you to blessing. Blessing then changes your identity. In verse number 28, the next verse, he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. This is important, church. This is kind of like a foreshadow of Jesus, a Jesus who wants to give you identity. The same God who changed Abram's name to Abraham, the same God that changed Jacob's name to Israel, the same God that changed Saul to Paul, and the same God that changed Simon to Peter. You're not imprisoned in your past. Your past does not dictate your future. God says, if you admit who you are, some of us are trying to deal with our Esau's by, by ourselves, but you sleep with one eye open, and God's like, man, how long? God's looking at some of us and telling us that, man, the very thing that you're trying to avoid is the thing that you'll have to deal with in your past very soon. How many of us try to shun away the things that we don't want to deal with? We, 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 we sweep it under the rug. We sweep, we sweep it on the carpet, hoping that it would just deal with itself. But God says, you're going to have to deal with this one day, Jacob, better late than never. And right now, since I have you alone, let's have this rendezvous. So many of us have struggles, and I'm telling you, get yourself away from these distractions of the world. Isolate yourself and say, God, this is my time with you. Can you bring out what I need to change in my life? Verse number 29, and Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that, I, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. Okay, I want to read this verse again. And Jacob asked him, asked this man, please tell me your name. But he said, the man said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. This is good, church. It's one thing for God to say, man, I am God and therefore I bless you. And he's done that in the past. We see so many references to that in the Bible, but this was different. And it's another thing to say, I'm going to go ahead and bless you and you are going to know that I am God through your own eyes. For some of us, it's not, hey, I'm a God. I want to prove myself to you. Hence, I'm going to bless you. Some of us have to go through seasons where he says, man, let me do what I want to do in my life. And the Bible says, taste and see that I am God. 
For so many of us, it's like, God, if you prove yourself to me, if you show yourself to me, if you just say a word, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to embrace this. But God's like, no, I'm not on your timeline. I'm not on your, you know, do this or do this or do this. I do what I do. It's up to you to open your eyes and see the blessing of God that I can do. And Jacob is about to see the blessing of man and how the blessing of God trumps the blessing of man. He's about to taste and see. Here's my last point. Identity comes from encounter. Verse number 30. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. You see that? God didn't have to tell him, I am the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The worst sinner the worst sinner who has ran away from God many years of his life can still encounter God because it's not the work of man. It was not the work of himself. God doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. He will reveal himself and even the worst of sinner can say, it has to be God. His identity is revealed and he said, man, I have seen God face to face. And the Bible says from that day on, Jacob walked with a limp. Not a gangster limp, all right? This limp was different. This limp was a God touched me kind of limp. This limp was a I ain't gonna walk the same ever again limp. Am I talking to somebody? How many of you have had a limp in your life? How many of you walk with a spiritual limp in your life? It's called a testimony. Hmm. So many of us don't have this dire need for God because testimonies are absent. And some of us, you need to ask God to come into your life and wreck you. Take that wrench and into your hip socket and literally turn it out of place so you can walk with a limp. For so many of us, it's accidents that have happened in your lives. It could be life-changing decisions that you've made. It could be a, a failed marriage. It could be, you know, a, a life-altering accident that happened in your life that made you encounter God. But he was blessed and he saw the blessing of God because he was left with a mark. See, here's the thing. Because God leaves marks of restoration and blessing on your life, he looks at you and says, you need to show that to the outside world. That limp was going to tell a story. I know I blessed you, but, but God, I thought you were on me. I thought your presence is on me. I thought your spirit is on me, God. And God's like, yeah, my spirit's on you. But you need a testimony for the world when the, when the world looks at you and says, hey, what's going on? You can share with the world. That's what God did to my life. Hmm. When my grandson asks me why I'm limping, I can tell him about my God. When you encounter Jesus, you don't walk the same. You don't talk the same, church. Sonia's from Houston. She always tells me that... Uh, before she knew Jesus, the Houston inside of her would, uh, would come out from time to time. When my kids misbehave now, I always look at her and say, that's the Houston inside of them. <laughs> Sonia always says, if it was my old self, oh, Lord Jesus. I said, no, let's, let's not go there right now. You're the new one, new creation. See, God gave him what he needed, right? Worship team, you can come up. Uh, he gave him the affirmations. He gave him the blessing. He also gave him this physical reminder of where the blessing came from. And he said, it's from God. There's not something that man can do. 
Because if it was up to Esau to destroy your life, it would have happened in the 20 years, but I preserved you. I preserved you because what you needed was a reminder from me that I am able, that I'm powerful. Like, I'm asking us today, where else do we need to see God using our weaknesses? Where else in the Bible do we see that happening? We see that happening on the cross of Jesus, where Jesus willingly lays his life down to redeem you and to redeem me. He allowed himself to be overcome, church. On Friday, he went into the tomb. He waged war with Satan and resurrected on Sunday. And over the next 40 days, he walked in this redeemed body and over 500 people watch him. They see him. If you're really the Messiah, where's your scars? The redeemed, restored body of Jesus still had scars. Because scars tell a story. So Galatians 6.17 says this, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And what that tells me is if Jesus has scars that he displayed and he showed to people and he wasn't ashamed of it, I pray that we will not be ashamed of our scars and the pain that we've been through and the limps in our life because God looks at our limps and says, that is a mark that I touched you. That's a mark that you were saved, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And so many of us don't have that limp because we've been avoiding that confrontation. We've been avoiding that rendezvous with God because we're afraid to isolate ourselves, to get alone. We're always keeping ourselves busy. Let's do this, let's do that, let's do this, let's do that. And as long as we can keep ourselves busy, maybe we don't have to deal with this head on. Mm. But God is reminding some of us and saying, guys, I, can we stand to our feet, church? He's reminding us and saying, I, I, wanna, I wanna have relationship. I wanna have relationship. And this relationship is, is, is not a, hey, I, I'm just going to come to church on a Sunday and go back kind of relate. No, no, this is, this is deep relationship with you. He wants to have deep relationship with you. He wants to have that relationship of a, hey, I know you. I, I deeply know you and I want to know you on a deep level. That's the relationship that he wants to have with you. He wants to have the relationship of, man, I know you're busy, but I want to stop you in your tracks. But I want to remind so many of us here today, no matter what your pain, no matter what your scar, no matter what the hurt that you have been through, it's his story. It's not your story. He is the author. That's what the Bible says. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Trust me, that man that broke your heart cannot alter your life and change your story. That job that you lost cannot change your story. That person that was close to you, that you lost, that, that you said, I just, there's no point living anymore. They can't change your story. They were just characters in your story. They were just people that God brought into your life in a season for a chapter. The antagonists, the people that you thought were going to tear you apart, destroy you, they were just a part, someone say, part of my story. 
that breaking was just a part of the story because it won't be a story worth reading if there's no drama. Come on, somebody. Look at God and say, thank you for my drama, Jesus. Pastor, what are you saying? That's rubbish. You call it what you want. But this Bible that I read is filled with people that had drama left, right, everywhere. They had, it was drama galore. If we wanted proper religion, we would have been given a book with perfect people and said, read it, be like them. But no, yet God looked at us and said, there are a bunch of imperfect people that I use for my glory because here's the thing with God using people. He doesn't want to use people that have it all together. Like, let's stop faking it. Can we do that? Like, let's stop faking it. You get what you see. I decided that in my life a long time ago. Here's what I spend time on. I spend time on my image. I wanted people to appreciate me. I wanted people to, you know, embrace me. Joshua talked about this the other day too. All I wanted was recognition. All I wanted was for people to embrace me, say he's a good guy, he's this, he's that. That's, that's all I wanted. But God said, man, for what? Today, if you meet me, if you see me, if you get to know me, what, what you see on this platform on a Sunday morning is what you will get when I step off this platform on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day of the week, you will get the same Ashish because I don't need to prove myself to anybody. I don't need to be somebody to be a preacher because at the end of the day, it's not me I'm preaching about. I'm preaching about a Jesus who is perfect, who is beautiful, who is amazing. So no matter how much I am flawed in my existence, I know that through my flaws and through my pains, I can still worship God and I can still glorify God and I can still be a witness to God because it's my scars, but it's His story because He's, he's the author and only the author, and I say this again, only the author can finish the story. Only the author can finish the story. But pastor, this person had a huge impact in the way my story, they're probably an editor. They're probably proofreaders. They probably changed a few things around, but trust me, there's only one author. And this book doesn't have a co-author. He doesn't need you to be his co-author. He just needs you to exist in the story. And he's like, I script your story. And that story that he writes is beautiful today. I want us to take our scars and give it to the Lord and say, God, every scar in my life, every pain in my life, I know you have the capacity to take that and change that around. Embrace those limbs. Testify about it. Come on, somebody. Encourage somebody and say, hey, I went through this. I went to hell and back. I went through this breaking in my life. I went through this relationship. I went through this abuse. I went through this. I went through that. You know what? And I'm a better person today. I'm a better person today. For so many years of my life, I hid the abuse that I went through in my life. I did. It's not too, too recently that I shared it with Sonia as well. Through a person that had to watch me and my sister when we were little children. I, and I just told this to my sister not too long ago because I was ashamed of it. My first time ever talking about it from a platform. My first time. I hid it because I was ashamed of it. It's not something that I was proud of. Through a nanny that was supposed to watch me and my, my sister, I was, I was molested. 
And you know what? Not for a second did I not think about it. Day after day after day, it ate me from the inside. It ate me from the inside. There were days I would cry and I would say, Lord, why me? Like, why did it have, have to happen to me? But it came to that day where I looked at God and said, God, you know what? There's, there's, there's no point of holding this. I want to meet my Esau. I tried everything in my capacity to say, hey, where's this? Where can I find this woman? Like, she's not, she doesn't live in this country. I wasn't born raised here. I, I was born and raised in India. And I tried asking people. I said, you know, you, I asked myself, nobody knows where she is. I, I wanted to meet that Esau and say, hey, you have no hold on me. But that moment that I realized I have no physical control over that situation anymore, I just left it to the Lord and said, God, you take control. I can't do this on my own. And I want to let you know this. I live in so much freedom today. I live in so much freedom today. And I can confidently stand here and share this story with you today because I know that my God is able to heal us of all our pain, all our, our scars, all the trauma that we've been through, no matter how big, no, how small. I don't care what you've been through, church. I know of a God who can use that testimony to change you, to transform you, to change your life and turn it upside down. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.